cheeky back heel. With ease, Miguel Aziz, his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box, Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Hello and welcome to episode two of Away From Hell End and what a week it was for our youngsters out on loan. Fuller and Balagoon, the headliner, helping Middlesbrough knock out Tottenham after they knocked out Manchester United, both of our biggest rivals now out of the FA Cup. Another year of no trophies for Tottenham. It does not get any sweeter. Balogun with an excellent performance. Another big highlight coming up on the show, Daniel Ballard returns from injury after a long spell out with an excellent little cameo for Millwall proving that he deserves his first team chance back. We have other highlights such as Jordi Osei Tutu getting two, not one, but two performances in this week as he returns to full match fitness. And of course, some not so big highlights as many of our players missed out to injury, including a freak accident that happened to one of our most promising youngsters, a man I detailed quite heavily in our first episode. There's much more to come here on Away From Hell End, but we'll just start it off with the biggest highlight of the week, and that is Fuller and Balogun. The first performance he had this week was on February 26th. They played Barnsley. Burrow came off to a really slow start going down 2-0. Balogun did not get the start in that game. A little bit surprising, but he has played quite a few minutes, probably just Wilder doing some subbing in and out, getting his guys some minutes. But he comes in at halftime when Barnsley are up 2-0, and he was excellent immediately. He was wreaking havoc uh, amongst that back line with his movement and first touch, poking in and out of spaces, looking for the ball, coming for the ball, kind of hanging in behind. Actually, some of his movement reminded me a little bit of what Aguero used to do, where he would hang just off sides, and then right before the pass is played, he kind of comes onside, comes to the ball, and that allows him to make those runs in behind later in the game because... The defender never knows where he is. And that's exactly what Flo is doing. Within the first five minutes of coming on, he received a pass right outside the box, took a first touch that took out two defenders, and ripped the shot with his left foot that went off the post. An unlucky miss for Flo, but just showing exactly what he can do. And it, it continued from there. Uh, unfortunately, Burrow went down 3 nothing a few minutes later after some pretty horrendous defending uh, that allowed Barnsley to have a one-on-one with the keeper. But... Flo's performance was pretty much faultless. He hit the post twice. So first, that first time right when he came on, and another time later in the half, where, again, he received the ball just around the edge of the box, excellent first touch, turned towards goal where he had the opportunity and ripped again with his left foot. And unfortunately, he ripped the post again. But both cases, the keeper was 1,000% beat. And that second chance, man, keeper was just rooted to his spot, didn't even move, unlucky for Flo, but... As I said, very successful dribbling. His passing was efficient and accurate. Only misplaced three passes, and he was just a beast. Five out of seven ground duels won. I mean, every week he has looked better and better for Burrow, and that just brings us to the FA Cup game against Tottenham. It is now clear that Balogun has matured physically as a player. He looks strong. He looks able to play against Premier League center backs. I mean, against Manchester United, he looked strong. Burrow didn't play excellently. But man, did the team play well against Tottenham for the entirety of the game, especially, especially in that second half when Bur- uh, when Flo came on. Flo came on in the 75th minute. 
He played all 45 minutes, including extra time, in their 1-0 win, and he really was, again, wreaking havoc against the back line with or without the ball. You could see it. Kuti Romero, who deservedly has been lauded as having a great season. I'm not here to say all Tottenham players are shit. I mean, he, he played excellently most of the year that he's been healthy. But, I mean, I think we all saw either on Twitter, on Instagram, or those who watched the game, Flo had that nice little move in that tight space in the corner to get around two Tottenham defenders where he kind of dragged the ball back and then poked it around them. And that's what I mean by his ability to identify space, right? He's not just going into empty spaces. He's seeing where he can use space to his advantage. And in that situation where he had two defenders, one stopping him from playing that pass back towards the middle of the field, one stopping him from playing that pass back up the sideline to his either left winger or left back, whoever's there. Instead, he pulled the ball closer to that tight space, closer to the corner, only to poke it then around the defenders and use his immediate acceleration to, to get to the ball first. It, truly, it, it was excellent to watch, and it's something that only players with extreme technical ability can pull off. I mean, wow. I think we were all in shock by that. And then, obviously, we all saw what happened in, in the extra time when, when Balogun really got more involved and, and when Burrow kind of took a stronghold on the game. In the move for the game-winning goal, Flo was dragging defenders with him. Two defenders came with him into an offside position, only for his teammate to come underneath him into an onside position with Emerson Royale holding him on, you know, received the pass, like a first-touch finish. Awesome goal for Burrow. Awesome goal for everybody who's rooting against Tottenham. Um, and, and then again, in, in the second part of that extra time, Balogun almost scored the second goal. Uh, he he got the received the pass, dragged the ball all the way inside the box, only to see his teammate making an excellent run at the far post. So he dragged it far post in what was not a shot nor a pass. It was more of a play into dangerous area. Um, Balogun with his left foot again shows you how confident he is with both feet. Uh, but again with his left foot, struck it across goal. Unfortunately, his teammate decided not to finish his run, but he would have had a tap in and another assist for Balogun. But the most exciting part, and as I've been saying from the beginning, uh, both on Twitter and on here, it's not going to be the goals that Balogun scores that are going to be the most important part of this loan. It's going to be the things he improves at and the way he shows his ability to play against both Premier League sides in the FA Cup and those better championship sides. Um, he's looked great so far, I think, you could argue that that 40-minute appearance against Tottenham might have been one of his better ones. And it's just a joy to watch him succeed. I think the biggest issue he might face at Arsenal is it appears he's best when he has an attacker alongside him. Uh, if you recall, in that opening match against Brentford, obviously it was unexpected that he was starting. The team was in no shape to play that game and wasn't a good one from Balogun's point. But the biggest problems were both his strength on the ball and his ability to be a hold-up player. Here's the thing. He's not a true number nine in the sense that he's going to play with his back to goal as a lone striker and create from there. He needs another attacker to play off of because he's so good at using space. And when you use space the way he does, you need another player to fill the other space. I do think him and Martinelli could play well together alongside each other. Uh, with Martinelli playing kind of as that inverted forward and Balogun as the nine, but he can't play as a sole nine 
at the moment. That's not to say he can in the future, but I think that will be his biggest struggle next season. But assuming Arsenal are in Europe in some way, shape, or form, hopefully that's Champions League, you will see Flo get a good amount of starts next year for the first team. He's proven under Wilder that he's ready for that challenge. Uh, Another player that you all know I'm very high on, Brooke Norton Cuffey, played the full 90 minutes against Gillingham in a 2-0 loss for Lincoln City, unfortunately. But that Lincoln attack... Brooke has really become a focal point of it. His crosses continue to be the most dangerous attack that their side has, and they continue to rotate the ball back to him when they're trying to get the ball in the box. He just puts in those most dangerous crosses. He had a couple of crosses where they were just exceptional. It's something that Tierney happens to be great at as well, which is picking a man out from 20, 30 yards out and playing it directly to his feet, right? Not just swinging in a cross hoping for the best, but... Brooke is able to actually find his own man's feet so that they can then whip a you know a, a shot on goal immediately or or then continue the build up and find another player instead of just hoping for a head or a bounce or whatever it might be. And Brooke looked excellent doing that um, in this game against Gillingham. He had ten crosses that he attempted throughout the game, which is quite a few, especially when his team did not play better than Gillingham at the time. Um, and I, and I was really impressed and he continues to show that he, he can do that and fill that role. The thing that is going to be the, the thing that holds him back the most is he's a player who's played mostly in a back five now when he's played at both U23 levels, um, and U18 levels. And that isn't what he's doing here at Lincoln city. He's playing as a right back in a back four and he really needs to work on his ability in the air. He, there were a few times in this game where either he had a free header or he had to go up for a header against another player, and he did not win. He either did not win or he didn't clear the header quite well enough. Uh, Gillingham's first goal was actually due to Norton Cuffey having a header clearance that didn't really clear the box. It just went to the edge of the box to a player's foot, and, and he ripped it home from there. These are things that he'll get better at, number one, as he grows, and continues to get stronger and more confident, but also as he continues to play in a back four, and it's great that he's getting that experience. I mean, one of the things that I think hinders defenders on loan can be playing in a back five and then coming back to a back four system. It's a very different ball game. Brooke doesn't quite have the cover at center back that he's used to having. It's more space that he needs to play defense in, and He's been, you know, in the wrong position a few times. You know, you could fault him even for the second goal uh, in this game in transition where, I mean, the whole back line of Lincoln City was a mess. There was nobody back. But again, where's Brooke? You know, he's he's playing that right, right back position, that full back position we talk about where you play up the pitch a little bit further. But he wasn't back in time. His side was exposed and it led to a second goal. So this is obviously why a player of his age He's playing in League One at the moment and isn't ready for championship side action or first team action with Arsenal. But it, it actually is further proving, at least to me, what a great loan destination this is going to be for Brooke. He's going to play 90 minutes every week, if not twice a week, in a position that he needs to grow into if he wants to be the future right back for Arsenal. And he's already proven he can be the focal point of their attack. Now he needs to work on his defense. And it's an exciting time for him. And, you know... I think he'll continue to improve on the defensive side, and hopefully he can get a few assists to uh, up his confidence and his crossing, and it's that that's really what 
we're going to be looking for out of Brook over the next few months. Another big positive for the Hale End boys out on loan is Daniel Ballard's return. He made his official return to Millwall playing 26 minutes right at that right center back position that he made his own at the first half of the season. Finally back from a devastating knee injury that really stopped an excellent season for him. But wow, he came right back in and showed why that's his position to lose moving forward. He came in to help protect a 1-0 lead against Sheffield United in the 63rd minute, right after Millwall scored, they wasted no time bringing on one of their surest defenders, and he didn't look slow at all in his return. I mean, he was an absolute brick wall at right center back, and I guarantee you that he has made that position his own again. I mean, in 26 minutes, keep in mind, he had four clearances, three interceptions, two tackles, and won eight out of his nine duels. That's all in 26 minutes that he did that. Obviously, Millwall scored the goal to take the lead, and with their fight for promotion at the moment, just sat back and parked the bus, looked for the victory, and Ballard really just helped them do that. He looked like his healthy self, and you have to credit Millwall, obviously. They handled his injury went really well. They didn't rush him back, waited till he really was ready to make his rate return, and I, I just expect him to start right back in that right center back position at the weekend. He's ready to play. He's, at the very least, a top championship defender at the moment. Like, he could start in almost any team in the championship, maybe beside Fulham, who at the moment are just absolutely rolling. But he just is always in the right places at the right time. He knows when to get in the way of attackers, when to put a foot in, right? He, I think I detailed this in the last episode, but it amazes me his maturity as a defender. He knows his limitations. He knows that he isn't the fastest. He knows that he isn't the quickest to react. So he doesn't put a foot in unless he has to. He does not let himself get dribbled past. And he plays incredibly well in a low block. He actually reminds me quite a bit of Rob Holding. Um, and it, it, he, he might not make it at Arsenal strictly because we play that high line that is so crucial to our tactics. But... Daniel Ballard is 1,000% a Premier League level center back moving forward in his future. I don't know if that's next year. I don't know if that's two years from now. Um, At his age, when you're only 22 years old, not everyone's ready to step right into a Premier League team. But he has shown that he is a beast in a low block. He really, really is. And he's a beast in the air. I mean, he does not lose aerial duels. He really doesn't. And he's not the tallest. I mean, he's not short by any means, but it's not like he has the stature of a Virgil van Dyke. but he just really knows how to play the ball in the air, and he knows how to be in the way of shots, passes, anyone trying to dribble by. He's an excellent, excellent defender, and he has really gotten better every year on loan. I think as far as Haaland loans have gone over the past few years, his has been handled perfectly each step of the way. He... Had a nice loan at Swindon Town for six months to get his confidence up, ready to play League One football where he did that at Blackpool. Now this year at Millwall, you got to be happy for him. He 100% is making a career for himself. He will 1,000% be getting action next year. I don't know if it'll be at Arsenal. I think he does have a chance depending on our summer transfers. But if not, I think he'll push for a move to either a top championship side or a low-end Premier League side. And I think he'll do well. Uh, you have to remember, not every Hale End player can possibly make it at Arsenal. And it is 
our responsibility to get the most out of them, whether that's in the first team, at the youth level, or for potential sales to help fund other players we need. And I think the handling of Ballard has been excellent, and I'm excited to see him back from injury because he's really been excellent for Millwall, and I expect to see him continue to thrive uh, throughout the rest of the season. Next, we move to Nikolai Moeller, who, again, is starting now, right? That's the key. You want your players out on loan to be starting week in and week out and be getting that experience. To me, that is the number one issue when it comes to loan moves. And we're seeing it with quite a few Arsenal players on loan, as you will with anyone. I mean, you're sending someone into an unfamiliar position. You have no control over what happens. Anything's possible. But Nikolai played 81 minutes in Den Bosch's league match against Grafschop. Um, it wasn't his best game. He's struggling a little bit at the moment. Uh, it, it's been a really a kind of a rough year for him between the failed loan, his injuries. But I think this is a good league for him. Um, it wasn't a really a good match at the end of the day. Um, it wasn't televised, so I was just following along both on Twitter and through other apps and websites, you know, that keep the data. From what I could gather, there wasn't a lot of continuity to the game, if you know what I mean. It was one of those matches where neither team was up to the task, and a lot of mispossession, a lot being played in the middle of the park where nobody really had control. Uh, Moeller was to fault for that as much as anyone. He was below 60% passing. He didn't have any shots on target. He only won five of his 12 duels. Um, he did create a chance with a key pass. He, he did do that. Um, but you expect more from Moeller in this league. This is a league where he needs to show that he has the physicality and the finishing ability to score goals. And if he doesn't, his future at Arsenal will certainly be under question. You do have to wonder if it might have been better for him to spend this six months with the U23s when they really need a striker at the moment. But I do understand that it appeared last season that he was physically too dominant for that level, both because of his height and his technical ability. So, you know, hopefully Den Bosch will be a good loan for him. There's still plenty of time. He All he needs is a, a good month, right? He gets a good month under his belt that could really boost his confidence ahead of next year, give him the chance to play preseason football with Arsenal, give him the chance to impress Arteta. I think there's a future for him at Arsenal. I really do rate him as a player. I think his profile is, at the very least, intriguing. I mean... Someone of his height and technical ability is hard to come by. They're not always going to make it due to a lot of circumstances, but I think in an ideal world, he makes it at Arsenal because we don't have a player of his profile, and we have thrived with one in the past. I mean, look at Giroud. Giroud is a very tall man with excellent technical ability, and obviously his finishing in front of goal sometimes can be frustrating, but because he's so good at getting into those spaces, the goals will come in flurries, and they will come at times. So I think Muller is kind of that cross between a Giroud, and obviously I'm not saying his future is Zlatan, but that's Zlatan kind of freak athleticism. So we'll see what happens. Again, I do really like this move for him, and I, I think he will succeed. So let's see how he gels with the team. But again, great to see he's starting every match. Great to see he's playing between 70 and 90 minutes. I think he'll grow with the team. A player that we detailed heavily in the last episode, Jordi Osei-Tutu, who has been stricken with injuries his whole career, got two appearances in this week. Great to see. Uh, on the 26th against Plymouth, he got subbed in and played the final 30 minutes at left wing back, um, and, and immediately Rotherham scored. Uh, two minutes after he came on, he just 
adds another level of dynamism to their game. I think a lot of it does have to do with his ball retention abilities, right? So in League One and in the lower leagues, you'll find that players aren't necessarily as good at keeping the ball at their feet. Uh, Whether or not they have the technical abilities, they don't have the confidence always to keep the ball for the period of time that the team needs them to. Sometimes they get the ball and immediately look to pass, whether it's sideways or backwards, instead of holding the ball and seeing what might come in front of them. And Jordy happens to be very good at that, especially for a defender. In this system, he is getting to play a little bit more attacking. It's kind of more of a left-mid, left-wing-back hybrid role. Um, They're kind of of an aggressive team like that, Rotherham. But Jordy was really excellent in this kind of 30-minute cameo. Uh, He only misplaced two passes. He created a chance with a key pass. Um, He had a successful dribble, and he just dominated that left-hand side. Anything that came that way, he brought it to his feet. He held on to it, looked for a teammate or dribbled up the sideline instead of just looking for a teammate. And again, I think he's going to be their left wing back moving forward. Uh, And it showed in that next league match against Shrewsbury on the first um, on Tuesday. He started and played the full 90 in the nil-nil draw uh, at that left wing back position again. He didn't have his best game. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with match fitness, playing only five days earlier, and then having to come in and play the full 90. But... Even when he wasn't having his best game, he was left in to play the full match. Um, He was a little loose in possession and tried to force some passes in to make things happen. I think he got frustrated that Rotherham hadn't scored yet. They they kind of had the dominant position on the game and were not able to take that lead. And you have to credit him. He was trying to make things happen the whole match. And that's what he's in there for. That's why they have him in that position. And, you know, when he wasn't attacking... He did some good defensive work. Um, He tracked back well. He didn't really let any attacks come from his side, right? He was forcing things back to the middle, uh, which in League One and in lower leagues, a lot has to do with crossing. Crossing, heading, it's more old-fashioned football. There isn't as much technical ability to play through the middle, play through your midfield. And he did just that, which was stop that from happening on his left side, try to be an outlet down the wing for his team when they were counterattacking. But... Even though it wasn't his best match and wasn't necessarily his best week, no goals or assists, no unbelievable performances, it's just got to be a confidence builder for him to get two matches in in a week, not pick up an injury, and be ready to play again, knowing that that position is probably now his for the rest of the season if he can stay healthy. Another player who didn't really have a good performance, and I would go as far as to say it's the worst performance I've seen of his since McSheffrey took over for Doncaster, and that is Matt Smith. He did play the full 90 minutes in that same right center mid role, that hybrid 6-8 position that he will play for his career. That is his position, Um, but it really wasn't his best performance. He was very careless with the ball in midfield, multiple times receiving the ball and not reading the space around him well, not finding an open man, too much dribbling with the ball at his feet, not releasing the ball quick enough. Um... This was a match where his lack of athleticism and quickness appeared to really kind of hold him back. Um, That hybrid 6-8 position you need to be athletic for because of how much space you need to occupy and how much attacking ability you need to have and defending ability you need to have. Um, I think we've seen it with Xhaka, right, in that left-center mid role now that we're trying to play that 4-3-3 with Partey as a lone 6. Obviously... 
Xhaka does has gotten much better at it week in and week out, but he doesn't really offer the offensive abilities that an 8 needs to offer. He doesn't really offer the defensive abilities that a 6 needs to offer. He does offer that progressive passing, and I think Matt Smith brings that same ability of progressiveness, but he did struggle in this game, and he doesn't necessarily really fit the Doncaster mold. Doncaster like to really create off of loose balls in transition. When there's a loose ball in the middle of the park or in their own third and a midfielder picks it up, they're immediately looking to counter. And Matt Smith's you know, lack of pace and lack of acceleration kind of hinders him in that. And that's why he hasn't had the goals and assists that you would hope to see from him and that we have seen previously. He's more of a... I mean, he actually more fits the Arsenal tactics where it's very progressive possession-based, where it's, okay, we're going to play out the back, get it to Partey and our midfielders to push it to the wings, and then once we've kind of passed that midfield line, we come back to the middle. Then when we get into the final third, out on the wings, we bring it back into the middle. Um, I think Smith would thrive more in in a situation like that, and I think that is what Arsenal expected when they sent him to Doncaster. Obviously, a changing manager, there's nothing you can do about that, but It's good to see him getting 90 minutes basically every week now. I mean, at the end of the day, Matt Smith's going to come back from Doncaster having played between 40 and 50 matches, and that is the kind of experience that you literally cannot even imagine dreaming of for a lone player. So it's great experience for Matt. Uh, I think, you know, if he can finish the season strong, another player who will get a chance in preseason more likely, but... Not sure there's a fit for him at Arsenal in the end, but we will obviously keep our eyes on him. Anything can change. All he needs is a good month. You have a good month on loan to end the season, and a lot of things can change for your future. So I think he's happy that he's playing week in and week out. Um, I know Doncaster fans have been a fan of his and, and have liked his performances and what he's brought to the team. His level of technical ability isn't one they have in midfield. So we'll see what happens for the, the next three months. Our last, you know, group of players on loan that we're going to talk about all were unable to feature uh, this week. Therese John-Jules is still injured, did not make the bench. Ainsley Maitland-Niles did make the bench uh, in their game on the 27th against Spezia, but he did not play. Mourinho did not bring him in. Ryan Alibiosu is still injured. Harry Clark is still injured. Neither of them were able to play. Reese Nelson still injured, I guess. That's what they're calling it. He didn't make the bench in Feyenoord's 2-1 loss against AZ. Um, but obviously with the comments made by Feyenoord's manager that he needs to see more from Reese, we'll keep an eye on that and see whether it's really an injury or he's just not making the team at the moment. But not good signs for Reese. It's really one that I think all Arsenal fans are upset isn't working out. I think we all thought Feyenoord was a perfect loan move for him. That's a top division, a team playing in Europe. Um, a, a league where players of his profile usually succeed. So not exciting for us at the moment. The last two players, Tim Akinola. This is a weird one, and it was a weird one on deadline day. He moved to Dundee United on loan after there was big rumors of him moving to a championship club. He didn't play the first match, then got a 45-minute cameo start where he played really pretty well and... I was on Twitter that day after that match to see what Dundee fans thought, and they were all happy with his performance and thought he brought a level to the midfield and a ability to the midfield that they didn't have. Not that he was better than their current midfielders, but that he brought a little bit of something different, a little bit more tenacity, uh, a little bit more of defensive prowess, 
and athletic ability than they had in midfield. And since then, he has not featured. Dundee had two matches this week, of which Akinola made the bench in the first against Aberdeen, but did not play. And then the match on Wednesday, March 2nd, he didn't even make the bench against Livingston, and there's no report of an injury or anything. From what I can tell, Dundee United fans are puzzled by this. They are puzzled for two reasons. One, they liked his performance and would like to see more from him. And two, why did they bring him in on loan if they weren't planning on playing him, right? Like, they brought him in on loan, but now aren't even giving him a chance as a sub. They're not using him as a spell to give their midfielders a break. It's a very odd situation. You have to wonder what's going on behind the scenes, and we will continue to keep an eye on that and do some more research. But it's not 100% clear what's going on. It's unfortunate, too, for Tim, because he needs this loan. He needs this opportunity to show what he can do, and so do the Arsenal Academy. They, Tim Akinola most likely will not be a future first-team player for Arsenal, but he certainly has a future in England uh, with his abilities and, and his background, and we'd love to obviously make a profit off selling him. So let's see what happens the rest of this loan spell, but it's definitely an odd one, and, and you have to hope that he gets some sort of experience. Otherwise, it'll be a big six months wasted when he could have, at the very least, been training and playing with the U23s. To close out the show, we're going to talk about some some pretty devastating news. Uh, Carl Hine, who I spent a good amount of the previous episode hyping up and, and really getting excited about, has unfortunately picked up a freak injury and is now out either four to six weeks or eight weeks if he needs surgery because he has taken a fall, a tumble in his house, and the ligament has torn off of his bone in his thumb. His thumb basically got dislocated and the ligament snapped and had to be, they're trying to figure out if it has to be reconnected or it will heal naturally. But either way, he's going to miss one to two months of action when he had taken that first team spot from, uh, he had taken that first team spot and made that number one role as the keeper for Reading his own. He had impressed greatly and gotten better in each match. He's only 19 years old. He has such a bright future. And I really believed if he played every match for Reading the rest of the season at the level he was playing, he would have had a real chance to fight with Arthur Nkunku and obviously Matt Turner coming in for that number two spot uh, at Arsenal next year. I don't think that's likely now unless he comes back and plays amazing and is even able to play again this season. I mean, best case scenario, he's back late April and plays four to six matches. We're talking best case scenario. So, I mean, obviously he's young. He's 19. Uh, What this most likely means is he comes back the end of the season and goes out for a full season on loan next year in the championship, which will be great experience for a 20-year-old and really give him a chance to impress. Um, But obviously very unfortunate for Carl. I'm sure he's upset. I'm sure the Reading fans are upset because they're in a real tussle at the bottom of the table to avoid relegation. It's unfortunate. I think that loan was a perfect move for him. And, you know, freak accidents happen. And luckily, he's only 19 and his career is in, in front of him. And there's no doubt he has unbelievable talent for a keeper his age. But obviously, really unfortunate. Well, that is going to do it for us. We've detailed all 13 players out on loan for Arsenal at the moment. And thank you all for listening, and thank you to those who listened to Episode 1 and are now just joining us for Episode 2. Please, all shares are really, really appreciated. All likes 
and retweets on Twitter to get this podcast out. I know there are fans of the Youth Academy who want to know what's happening with our lone players. I tried to keep this one short and sweet. It's really, really, really fun to do this uh, for you guys. And please, DM me, at Balagunner14. The name of the account is Hailend Productions. DM me with ideas for the podcast, with fans of these clubs that you know that you think might be interested in coming on, or if you want to come on and discuss or ask me any questions or just DM me questions, I'll be glad to answer them. Really enjoyed doing this. Really happy that we've got this going, and it's an exciting time, as always, uh, for the Youth Academy and its players out on loan who are improving week in and week out. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.